0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Overtime podcast series where we hope to inspire managers to level up and lead. I am your host Jillian Davis, author, first-time leader, and founder of Crescent and an agency that transforms fast-growing companies through leadership, culture, and talent. In today's episode, I sit down with Nafisa Bakar, CEO of Amalia.com. Amalia is dedicated to representing Muslim women, led by a passion to empower individuals through their identity, Their work seeks to surface the many different voices and experiences within the Muslim women community. It's never been more important for Muslim women to be heard. With over 80 contributors, named by Forbes One to Watch, and featured in CNN, Metro, and Wired, Amalia are rapidly becoming the place that represents women in Generation M. I met Nafisa a couple of years ago when I was working with us two, And she was one of the startup teams that was and is still residing within us two's adventures group. You can imagine a co-working space alongside some of the best and brightest product talent. Nafisa stood out immediately as she was always curious and keen to get to know everyone, no matter what their role or what they had to say, and always looked for what I consider casual mentorship, which is not officially calling someone their mentor, but sitting down, grabbing coffees even grabbing me in the hallway and asking me a couple of questions or my perspective. I always found her level of insight, reflection, and intuition really impressive considering the learning curve she was on. Very often when we start new roles or big projects, and we're learning really quickly, we can forget to take that time for introspection and hear what our gut is actually trying to tell us. It is a hard one to balance, but a worthy one to master. And if you can teach yourself to learn and reflect early on in your career, you'll be able to be more confident in your decisions and the directions that you take. As always, in overtime, Nafisa and I covered lots of topics within the episode, but to highlight a couple that we got into that I found most interesting were empowering teams by getting their input, seeking mentorship in all the right places, creating feedback loops, and how management is something you can never, ever plan for. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hi everyone, I'm sitting here today with Nafisa, co founder of Amalia. We are sitting in the really chilled out US2 Adventures floor. Um, so let's bring back lots of new memories for me. Uh, Nafisa, thank you for sitting down with me today. Thank you. How about to start? Um, so I know a lot about you and your journey because we've kept in touch. Um, since I think we met, what, a year and a half
1: ago? Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Um, tell the listeners a little bit about. Where you've come from, what inspired you to start Amalia and where you're going with it?
1: Cool, so um, where I've come from was I did an undergrad in natural sciences. Uh, Never really knew what I wanted to do. Um, And I guess university for me was figuring that out. Very quickly realized I wanted to be able to solve a problem that meant something to me, whether that meant working in a company to do that or starting something myself. And the idea of starting something myself wasn't actually at the forefront of my mind. And then more and more, um, I just realized there was a lot that came with being a Muslim woman. (laughs) and I started digging down into that um, and just realized that it was important to have our own spaces, whether they're online, offline. Um, spaces that celebrate Muslim women in the current climate we're in spaces that give space to Muslim women to be able to share their own stories their own experiences so we are now a platform for Muslim women to be able to share their own stories their own experiences and just write about things that matter to them Fantastic
0: and how's that journey been?
1: Um, A steep learning (laughs) (laughs) curve I mean like this is my first proper, proper job in my life. Where I've done loads of internships and placements and things like that. Um, so I guess I come with a lot of naivety and inexperience of what right or best practice looks like. Um, so I've had to learn a lot along the way and learn about things I didn't know about. Yeah. Um, and I think something someone said to me is, what founders don't realise is when they're signing up to start a startup, a lot of it is around management and leadership. Um, and I think that's what a lot of founders don't actually realise until you're put in a situation. You're like, wait, everyone's looking to me to, to like lead this boat. And you're like, wait, I, I didn't know that's what I was going to be doing. So, yeah, I've, I've learned a lot, um, especially about working with people, whether that's investor relations, mm-hmm. your employees, your community, across the board. So, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. <laughs> I can only imagine. And I think <laughs> even though
0: it's written about, you don't know it until you know yeah, it. And yeah, all yeah. the feelings that come with that and, you know, people are so unpredictable. Yeah. Um, you can't really plan, you know, even if you read all the books on
1: management yeah, and leadership, that exactly. may but not even, prepare you. Even founders who've done it before, they say you will still make the same mistakes the second time because you, you just sometimes do not have... The ability to have the perspective that you need to handle certain certain situations. No,
0: totally. And looking back over you know the course of the last few years, when was that most like clear to you that you know oh I've got to um, be the captain of the ship? Yeah. And what did you do to to get there?
1: So I think it was after we raised our seat round because that came with hiring, and it was no longer. Me and my co founder, my co founder is my sister, so Mm -hmm. there was already that difference of having a sister as a co founder. And I think it was a moment of crap, I'm dealing with like (laughs) real people's money. Yeah, they put their trust in me to deal with that money. I now have to hire people, I have to manage people, and like everything going forward depends on how our team works and how we achieve our goals. And for me, I had a real sense of wow. I need to level up, <laughs> and so yeah, that I think that was one. And I'm, I mean, you const- constantly feel it. Wow. Right? Yeah. Every, every milestone, I'm like, wow, I need to go to the next level now.
0: So. And how? What? What steps do you take? Yeah. What does your ladder look like when you go to the next level?
1: So, so it really varies. Like sometimes it might be milestone dependent like we need to get to that next next phase sometimes it might be a personal thing of like I need to improve on XYZ mm-hmm. to, to help us get to the next stage um, so yeah it, it's just whatever needs to be pushed forward at that <laughs> given moment.
0: and which you know I I know for entrepreneurs you have to learn so much mm-hmm. at once and you don't know what you don't know yeah, yeah. and often you find out right at the last minute that you're supposed to know something um, in terms of skill set that you've had to adopt, um, and that steepness of that learning cur- learning curve, mm. which one had the steepest?
1: I think I think the thing is like when it comes to skills, in terms of say learning to code, right? Yeah. I feel like although the learning curve is steep, you have you will have some sort of curriculum of what that learning curve looks like. Yeah. Right. So although it's intense, it's it's still like you know where. When you're going right and when you're going wrong. Yeah. Whereas with things like managing people, leading a team, there is no curriculum. <laughs> like, you don't know if you're getting it right or you're getting it wrong. Yeah. And it's just based, you know, on the feedback loop that you have in your team of okay, someone's unhappy or we're not actually reaching our goals or you you'll feel something's not right. Yeah. So I feel like that's in the steepest because there is no clear set of what does right look like. Yes.
0: Yeah. T- totally. <laughs> And I think when you're going, you know, a mile a minute every day, all day, it can even be hard to have that level of insight and temperature check yeah. on your team. Yeah. How have you managed that?
1: So I think I've been very blessed to have a team that essentially don't need that much management. And I think I've realized the difference between managing and essentially leadership Yeah. Of like actually what they need sometimes like for example we working on our rebuild and what our dev needs isn't management he needs leadership of this is where the company is going this is what we need to be able to build out and then i think if you have the right people in your team they will they will know what that looks like and i think uh, for me one of the biggest learning curves has been knowing when someone requires management versus when they just need a bit of guidance Um, and letting people in your team feel empowered themselves of actually knowing that you trust them enough to be able to do what it is that Mm -hmm. needs to be done.
0: That's super insightful. I know when I teach or intro the topic of leadership anywhere, um, I do a word association with leadership with leadership, um, vision, mm. you know, emotional intelligence, communication, and then a word association with management, which is more process, yeah. uh, controlling. Um, but you know, it's not like you're a leader and therefore not a manager. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a sliding scale and leaders know when they need to wear which hat. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's great that you've, you know, picked that up so quickly in this journey because <laughs> some people never do. Yeah. Um but it do- it does require, you know, you have to kind of stay um, keep your head above the trees, so to speak, yeah. in order to have that insight. <laughs> and that perspective. And that yeah. perspective, exactly. Um, and on the yeah. subject of empowering, a lot of the stuff I read or and I agree with is people are empowered when there is a clear vision. Yeah. But I have a lot of empathy for startups, especially in their first five years, because that can change quite yeah. a lot. How do you balance that?
1: I think for us, um, like, for example, when we were... Working on our rebuild to move us from a more fashion-focused platform for Muslim women into a content platform for Muslim women across different verticals. Like for us in our team meetings, there was tension there, and it, because it was like we were we were figuring out what it was going to be, we were figuring out where fashion fits. In the big picture because remember, we brought on people, yeah, to perfection. work, yeah, yeah, and then to say, actually, you know, that there, there's anxieties of, okay, what does that mean for my role? What does yeah. that mean in, in where I'm going? And I think the mistake we could have made there is just almost like gone into a meeting as founders and come out and said, right, this is what we're going to be now. Mm-hmm. And I think what was important for that, even mm-hmm. though it came with the tension, was having everyone sit at the table so everyone felt. And because we genuinely wanted everyone's opinion of where are we going mm-hmm. and I think that ownership of owning the vision of where a company is going and when you're such a small team is so important yeah because I've seen teams where it's and don't get me wrong there are times when a founder or the CEO just needs to make a decision and that decision is the best for the company but I think there are certain decisions where why it's almost like why have you employ these people if you don't need their input yeah you know especially when you're so small Um. so I, I think with that it was interesting because that's where we started stamping what are our guiding principles as a company mm. and what do we do what don't we do what what is it we're trying to achieve and even in terms of the type of content we do right mm-hmm. it's yeah. like what are we trying to achieve with our content and um, because for us, we, we don't want to become a platform, which is like a clickbait content platform. Yeah. No names mentioned it. <laughs> um, and, you know, being, I think what's really important is sometimes you might not know where you're going. You might not know what six months looks like. But if you have the guiding principles, then a lot can come from that. And yeah. it can give your team a lot more comfort and a lot more to, to make decisions off.
0: And I would imagine that guiding principles are less likely to change than vision.
1: Mm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's where actually if a vision changes, it's going back to the guiding principles and saying, does this feel like what it is we set out to do?
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And I, I think I'm curious to go back to... Um, getting people at the table and getting their input and having that tension a lot of managers that I know and I'm using the word manager (laughs) on purpose because they will shy away from having the discussion on the basis that they don't want people to feel like they have veto over the direction of the company because it's the leadership team that's hired to do that I am with you, I think, especially when you're growing really quickly, um, you need to ask people to go above and beyond, you you owe them that space at the table in order to have that conversation and for them to feel engaged above salary and options and all that. How do you manage, or how did you manage that tension so that it was a balance of we want to hear what you think, but we're also the founders?
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I... I personally think we didn't have to manage it that much because I think what comes with being a small team is also you still do recognize the founders are founders yeah you know yeah and I feel like actually I I didn't have a point where I was like actually what we say is founders goes and while like I think your input is valid this is just what we're doing Um, would you feel comfortable playing that card saying actually this way yeah, yeah I yeah. think I think for me it's like there are certain things we need to do that make business sense. Yeah. And sometimes it's is recognizing that although someone might put something forward it's valid, it just doesn't make business sense for us. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Or it just it doesn't make sense for us to be engaging in whatever it is. So yeah, I, I would feel comfortable because at the, at the same time, like, there are some short-term decisions you need to make to ensure certain things happen, yeah. or, you know? And I think it's important for your team as well to feel that leadership mm-hmm. of actually sometimes something's just not up for discussion. Yeah. This is how it is and this is the way it's going to move forward. Yeah,
0: because I think on the complete opposite end of the spectrum it's you like can a exactly like, <laughs> yeah. we want everyone's opinions yeah. and then you don't have that level of respect that actually mm. they they at the end of the day yeah. their founders it's their company yeah. i am quote-unquote an employee on paper and mm. you know i, I have that also role in it's like i
1: might have made up my mind but it doesn't mean i can't still have a discussion about with yeah. about it because actually I think it's also important to be challenged, so you can actually explain why it is that you've chosen that path or yes. that decision.
0: Yeah, and it's important to keep that feedback loop open, yeah. um, because as a founder, it's unlike being at work, where people will challenge you depending yeah. on the environment. But for the most part, people will give you will challenge you. Yeah. You're all employees, that it's a clear um, you're working on the same platform, but. When you're a founder, you have to remember that you do play that part. Yeah. And unless you create that space, um, you could unintentionally shut down that mm-hmm. feedback loop and people aren't challenging yeah. you and you aren't getting that push that can be very healthy. Yeah, Very good, something to be aware of for, I think, both founders and managers, because yeah. the same is true when you get promoted. You do forget that you are where you have that title yeah. um, and yeah. people might just stop feeding up to you Mm -hmm. some really valid and valuable, um, pushback or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, I think that's super good to be aware of and how do you, how do you keep that open, um, when you're running a mile a minute and have so many, uh, decisions to make (laughs) It's an ongoing struggle. Um, I'm curious to know, it's a question I've asked a couple of the guests, but what, what was some of the biggest misconceptions about management? That you had going into this experience.
1: I think there's definitely been a whole list. <laughs> um, I think so. I, I feel like throughout, like whether it's been a friend, been in a job or family, whatever, when you've heard about someone not getting on with their manager, yeah, it's been it's because the manager's done X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And then when you've heard it from management perspective, it's like, oh, our employees are like not pulling their socks up. Yeah. And I think my first um, reflection was actually, as a manager, your team is a mirror of you. And if something is, if you are frustrated or if something is going wrong in your team. Most likely it's because of you and yeah. the lack of direction or that su- there's something that's gone wrong in that in that communication. Yeah. And I think my misconception was that when a team is not functioning, it's because of individuals in the team. But actually most, unless you're hiring really wrong, <laughs> <laughs> um, most of the times it's something has been lost in communication. Mm. Um, and it's being able to reflect on yourself before you reflect on your employees mm-hmm. and I think another one is like we always hear a lot of negativity about micromanagement mm-hmm. and I think what I've realised is actually you're not a micromanager or you're not whatever the I don't even know the terminology for the other styles but it's not like you're one or the other Yes. it's actually different people require different sorts of management yeah like we've had people who, and and it's not a negative thing it's if someone needs to be micromanaged it's not a bad thing no it's just like for from in our case it's actually some people when they come into the company they're onboarding in that onboarding period they need a lot of handholding and it's expected to for them to get to the level of what you expect of them there's some people that come in and actually they don't need that much handholding mm-hmm. or they don't need that much like detailed explanation or whatever it is and i think it's recognizing that there is not a one-size-fits-all sort of management that goes across people it's very much um understanding how people take on information how they function what their past history has been if they've been in environments where they've always been given very detailed breakdown of what their worst going to be like it's going to be a lot of anxiety for them to come into a team like this and yeah. just be like yeah can you just get that task done <laughs> so, um, so yeah I, I think that's something I've learned over time being able to read people and know or, or realize that actually they need a bit more than someone else
0: yeah I think it's interesting you mentioned that because we often ask others to self-reflect yeah. and come you know and give us the information about them but I think it's a lot to ask for people to do that. I know in my yeah. management journey, self-reflection has been a big part of it and it, it's not, it takes a lot of work to put yeah. a mirror up to yourself, and, but a lot you can do a, a lot of homework by yeah. just reflecting on their behalf, especially with a new employee,
1: yeah.
0: without even having a conversation, just looking at their previous employer yeah. or employers yeah. will tell you a lot about how you should tailor yeah. the onboarding process or yeah. what they're going to need from you. Um, I remember I was working primarily in corporate and, and wore like suits and high heels and <laughs> never, only wore jeans on Friday um, and then I joined us two and I had to almost redefine what professional meant to me because <laughs> it threw it upside down and that was a really interesting onboarding but one that I had to do myself and it was kind of like do I belong here? What? What mask do I wear? And yeah. realizing that I actually I can just be myself. Yeah. Which was so new to me because yeah. that's
1: not <laughs> yeah. and, and I think what it is is sometimes like people come in and actually what it's not their behaviour, it's just what they've learned. Yeah. Which there's yeah. two like there's we've had times where someone's come in and you can tell that the environment they've been in has been in an environment where there were a lot of checks in the process yeah. of their work. Yeah. Right? And it, that's not them intrinsically it might be but a lot of times it's not them intrinsically it's the environment they've come from mm-hmm. and it's almost unpicking that or you know re- making them realize that actually things are just done a bit differently yeah so like unlearning yeah and then relearning yeah new
0: skills or yeah. viewpoints i think that's really interesting and unlearning yes and that it's not an intentional behavior sometimes it is yeah and sometimes you want to reinforce that behavior because it might add a skill set into your team that you don't already have uh, but sometimes it is a reconditioning Um, I think in an onboarding process you want to make sure that you're calling out what your environment what you know about your culture or environment is I think that's what sometimes gets lost in onboarding programs is it's Mm -hmm. all about like we're, yeah, 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 we're a great company to work, and we've got lunches at this time, and you know all these perks. Without also calling out that you know it's not necessarily cons; it's just what it is. But yeah. if you're used to structure, we don't work in that way, and we yeah. really you know lacks in communication, yeah. lacks in timeline, whatever it might be. Um, but I think that's a key part of the onboarding process: is getting you as a company have to reflect and mm-hmm. call out what's it like to work for you or work with you. Yeah. Um, One, I'm always curious to know if there is a resource that you have found most impactful um, as a manager or as a founder. Mm -hmm. And so, if you were mentoring another fellow manager, what would you recommend?
1: So when I read that question, I actually was like, "Wow, I don't think I've ever read about leadership or management." I was like. Oh, and then I was like oh my gosh am I an awful leader? <laughs> I don't read about it um, yeah so yeah I, I don't actually actively read about management and structure and, and things like that I, but I, off the back of that I think something that has really informed our learning has been being based on us too. Yeah. And I think actually what I've been able to see is firsthand what management, leadership and culture looks like and how that all works together. Yeah. So I think, like, be with us too, I'd say we've definitely been able to bring in the positive elements of the culture and it's like i see us too as an extended culture of amalia yeah yeah. and i think that's where we've had a lot of learning and i I have spoken to there's been times where i can just reach out to the senior leadership here so i guess that's my sort of because i was like no i i do something right and then we <laughs> know, it's, oh it's because we're based in us two yeah and it's because we have the benefit of being surrounded by a company that's been around for 12 years that's got very senior management that have managed multiple people and projects mm-hmm, and things mm-hmm. um and being able to just have an open conversation be like hey i've got the situation how would you deal with it mm-hmm. so i think for me that's that's been the biggest informative learning experience of just being able to reach out to a pretty cool senior leadership team and just say, "Look, what would you do in my situation?"
0: Yeah, I'm glad that came up because that's one thing I remember you were so good at was, you know, grabbing me in the hall for five minutes, <laughs> asking, a, asking me a question, or you know, emailing me, uh, talking to Paul, which I know you wrote about, uh, whoever it might be. And yeah. I think that you you've, you've got to give yourself credit, but a lot of times you don't need to find it in a book or in a TED talk, it's right under your nose. Yeah,
1: I think like between the people in this building, they've all gone through some sort of experience that you can learn from Yeah, and it's just about grabbing them and getting (laughs) into their mind of where that experience exists and what they've learned and kind of, and I mean everyone here is very giving of their time and their knowledge But that's mentorship,
0: right? I think mentorship doesn't have to be a a scheduled conversation is just reaching out and i found personally for the most part people are really keen to talk about their learnings and if someone doesn't write back to me or whatever (laughs) i I often forget that i even emailed them um but i yeah i think encouraging other managers out there to just reach out to people that you might not even know
1: my biggest learnings have been through learning from other people yeah
0: Definitely. Great. What a lovely way to end. I've definitely learned a lot from this little chat. Uh, thank, thank you so much for being one of our guests. Thank you. No problem. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nafisa. I definitely get a lot of energy from her passion and commitment from building Amalia. For those of you that are in management roles currently and within a corporate or large organization, you may be wondering why there might be value to listening to a founder. And I purposely am interviewing uh, anyone with management experience. I don't think it matters whether you're building a startup team or within an established corporate team. Very often those two worlds are very kept very separate and um, are communicated as such. And what I'd like to do is to bridge that gap and to hopefully provide inspiration uh, from different people in different contexts to you listeners or those that you know. I know I gain a lot from listening to anyone with management experience or management troubles that come to me with problems, questions, solutions, resources. And I work with people leading all sizes of teams with varying degrees of experience and their questions their experiences their uh, learnings provide a lot of value for me so that's was one of the incentives to launch over time was to share to get people to share those stories with a wider audience that i think could benefit from hearing from different people uh i you know there there's one commonality in management which is we all manage people and people are unpredictable, they're irrational. Um, What works once will not necessarily work again. Someone having a bad day can really throw off your whole game. Um, As Nafisa mentions, there's no book or amount of pre-learning you can do to prepare you for management, and you will continue to make similar or even the same mistakes over and over again. And what I find interesting is that that is the common link and by interviewing people with different experiences and I also want to get some subject uh, matter experts on to cover different topics, uh, you know, we will all learn something from listening to others and what I hope is that we can then connect those two worlds of corporate and startup and just see each other as people trying to do great things and trying to be better leaders for our teams and, um, and our organizations. So that's just a little blurb from me, uh, as to why, you know, for those of you thinking that this is purely a startup podcast or thinking that this is purely a corporate podcast, it's one in the same. It's a leadership management podcast where we just get the benefit and in some ways privilege to have such great people be able to share and open to sharing their stories and reflections and learning. So it's been a great journey for me so far. This was not something I've been planning for a whole long time. It was kind of done on on a whim. I wanted to find a way that I could, you know, build my reach uh, with what I do. Um, I, you know, work with different clients, I teach at General Assembly, but it's quite limited to my time and uh, where I am located geographically, and, you know, I kept getting emails or requests from people, whether it was coaching or working or coming to do a talk, and I was thinking through the ways that I could, you know, expand this, uh, this insight that I get from all these conversations, and the podcast was that thing and it's I'm, I'm enjoying it so far I love interviewing all these people and I'm looking forward to many, many more so if you are enjoying it then let me know if you're not, let me know why and what could be done better and do share this with uh, someone that you think might find this of value uh, we do send it out regularly through our newsletter you can look at that if you go to our website www.firsttimeleader.tv Until next time, I hope you have a great couple weeks. Bye.